matter what battle you're facing here today, we serve a God who's already overcome. Come on, you can do better than that, 1015. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Why don't you give, your, give somebody a high five that's around you, two or three people. Tell them what's up and go ahead and take a seat here this morning. What's up, what's up, what's up? How you guys doing this morning? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us here this morning. Um, before we kind of dive into today's message, uh, we have something coming up next week. We're, we're excited about it. Everybody say next week for me. Okay, that was kind of like everybody. Let's try that one more time. Everybody say next week. Next week, uh, as a church, we're celebrating our 10-year anniversary as a church. And uh, so next weekend, we're throwing a big party after every service uh, to celebrate our, our, our 10th birthday. Uh, now, I noticed that, like, as adults, we don't get excited about birthdays as we get older. Have you noticed that? Like, the older we get, the less we want to celebrate. We're like, oh, I turned we're not going to say what I turned, right? That's what happens as you begin to age. Uh, but when you were 10 years old, you wanted a party, didn't you? Come on, don't lie. You know you wanted a party at 10 years old. Hey, listen, you still want a party at 59 years old too. You just ain't saying it because you don't want anybody to know you're 59 because you've been telling them you're 49 for the last 10 years. So, but that's okay. So we're going to celebrate next week, and it's going to be a great weekend, free T-shirt weekend, uh, bounce houses, all kinds of stuff for your kids, uh, food afterwards, DJ out there on the lawn afterwards. We're going to have all kinds of fun. And so I want to encourage you to come back next weekend, bring some friends, bring some family. It's going to be an incredible, incredible weekend celebrating. In fact, you know, one of the things that gets lost in churches, we're always helping people talk about their problems, but, you know, the Bible actually talks a lot about celebration. And sometimes you got to take a step back and celebrate what God has done. And, and, like, it's something that we miss out on life where it's so busy trying to move forward that we forget about what he has done yesterday and today and days before. And I think it's important not just for us as a church, but us as individuals to celebrate how good God has been in our lives and, and, and rejoice in those moments. And so we're going to do that next week. And I want to encourage you, look for moments to do that in your life because it's an important element to your faith. But today, everybody say today. Today, today we're concluding this series called what, if, what Are You Waiting For? We've been in this series over the last five weeks and we've been talking about how every single one of us have some steps that we need to take in life. There are some things that we've been apprehensive, we've been fearful, we've been, we've been uh, putting off for way too long to move forward in our life, to move forward in the destiny and purpose that God has for each and every, every one of us. And we've been addressing the fear issues in life. We've been talking a lot about fear. In fact, the reason we've been talking about it so much is because in the four Gospels, 21 times Jesus talks about do not be afraid, don't fear, take courage, take heart. And 15 times he actually says the phrase in the four Gospels, do not be afraid. Now the reason Jesus talks so much about fear is because he knew it would be something that each and every one of us would deal with on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis. And so he didn't want us to just be, just be ignorant about the subject, but he actually wanted us to address the subjects in our life that are causing us fear. And we've said throughout this series that the goal is not that we would get rid of fear. In fact, it, I, I think it's actually an impossibility that we would get rid of fear. We've said the goal is not how do I fear less in life, but the goal of this series is how do I begin to trust God more? 
How do I begin to have a greater measure of trust in the goodness of my God and that he's going to take care of me and he's going to hold me and he's going to be with me the entire time? Because the reality is, is if you're facing a fearful moment, a frightening moment, an apprehensive moment, you don't really have a fear problem. What you have is that you have a faith problem. And so how do we grow our faith? How do we address our fears and, and win the battle of our fears with our faith? And so today we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 17. If you want to turn in your Bible there, that's where we'll be hanging out. If you don't have a Bible, you can, you can grab this little, can I see that real quick? This, this little thing right here, all the scripture, all the notes will be on there. In fact, there's some fill in the blanks. Listen, I promise you, you fill in the blanks, it will make you smarter. It will not make you get to heaven, but it will help you in life. Thank you, Morgan. And so I noticed you're filling out yours and your husband's. Apparently, he can't write. Um, so <laughs> we're going to work on that. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Jeff. Um, but, but we're, we're going to be looking at 1 Samuel chapter 17, and it's the story of David. It's a classic story, and this story begins with a fight. And here's what I know about many of us here today. We're in the middle of a fight in life. There is a battle that is taking place. There is a battle that is going on. There is a fight that you are called to be in, that God is calling you into, and, and here's what you need to understand as a Christ follower, as somebody who would say that, hey, I've made Jesus my Lord and Savior. When God is calling you into a fight, you need to understand that God has already fixed that fight. Yes. No, no, no. Some of y'all didn't get that because God never calls us into a fight that we're going to lose. He always calls us into a fight that he's already won. It's called a fixed fight. Maybe you don't know anything about boxing or MMA. I got an MMA fighter right here. If there is a fixed fight, what does that mean? That means you've already decided the outcome before the fight ever starts, right? That's right. Okay. He fought in the UFC, so don't fight him, okay? Uh, but... <laughs> Sorry, Matt. <laughs> uh, but here's the deal. So what that means is that every fight that God is calling you into is already a fixed fight. So what that means is that song that we sing, I'm going to see a victory. You want to know why you're going to see a victory? Because God's already fixed that fight. Some of you are like, well, but Pastor TJ, why would a good God, why would a God that so loving call me into a fight? The reason God would call you into a fight is so you would realize that you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Oh, we're about to preach up in here today. Somebody's, this front row is going to get spit on right here. You're in the spit section. Should get, remember Gallagher back in the day, you used to give him a tarp right here. I'm going to give you all a tarp, sorry. Bit of course. Uh, <laughs> It's called you to a fixed fight. It's called you to a fight that you can win. That's why Jesus said in John 16, in this world, you're going to have some trouble. In this world, basically, you're going to have some fights. But Jesus said, take courage. It's something we've got to grab hold of because he's already overcome the world. He's already fixed the fight that we're about to go in in life for us. The problem is, is most of us don't ever want to get into the ring and fight because we're afraid of getting hit. Come on now. Like, my face is too pretty. No, it's not. Okay. <laughs> Here's what you fail to realize. When you stay out, outside of the ring, you're getting hit in the face anyways. In fact, I, I would submit to you today that you're taking a worse beating outside of the ring than you would inside of it. It's time for some of us 
to face the battle that God is calling us to and, and, and the ring that he's calling us to. And that's exactly what we're going to see here in 1 Samuel. Let me kind of set the stage for you. What you have is you have the Philistine army on one side of a mountain. On the other side of a mountain, you have the Israelite army. And in between is this valley that is where the fight is going to take place. And we're going to pick it up in verse 4 in chapter 17. It says this. It says, Then Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. How many of y'all know that's tall? That's pretty tall. Like he probably should have played basketball instead of been a warrior, but whatever. He wore a bronze helmet and his coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and as thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. In other words, he was a bad man. Like, he was, he was the man. He wasn't just a big dude. He was a warrior among warriors. He was the elite. He was the cream of the crop of the Philistine army. And what it says is that he would come out and he would start to talk smack. Because, you know, anytime you're going to fight, there's always going to be an opponent that's going to talk smack to you. They're always going to kind of defeat you mentally before they defeat you physically. Because they know if they can get in your mind, if they can get you not thinking right, then the battle has already been won because you've already been defeated in your head. And this is what he says in verse 10. He says, I defy the armies of Israel. That word defy there literally means to hurl obscenity. So I don't know if he was cussing them out, flicking them off, mooning them. He was doing some things. He just like, what's up? He said, send me a man who will fight me. Because back in that day, a lot of times what they would do is instead of just annihilating each other, they'd say, hey, you send your best and we'll send our best. Whoever wins, the other group is going to be subject to that group. He said, and, and so... He's out there, he's talking smack to the Israelites, and it says when they, heard the, when they heard him, it said when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Other versions actually say they were broken inside with fear. Now what you have to understand is, is that Saul in and of himself was a valiant warrior. He'd won many battles, and the guys that were with him were great, great warriors, and they had defeated the Philistines like a whole bunch of times before this. Like this was not their first time fighting them. But this time it was different because this time the thing that they feared the most walked out in front of them. And before they ever got in the ring, they were defeated in their mind because of the fear that had taken over them. That it overwhelmed them. That it overcome them. And it wasn't just them. I believe that a lot of us today, before we ever get into the ring to battle that thing, it has already overwhelmed us and overtaken us. In fact, I would submit to you that today, there isn't just a Goliath in their story, but in every single one of our lives, there is an area of our life that we look at and go, that's my Goliath. That's the thing that is like so big and so overwhelming and so, so huge. There's no way I see a possibility of overcoming it. And so my question for you today is, is what is your Goliath? What is that thing that when we start talking about it, you like, you start backing away because you know, like, I, I, I don't have the capability. I don't have the education. I don't have the net worth to be able to overcome this thing. It might be an addiction in your life that you're like, man, I, I, I want to overcome it. But, but every time I think about moving forward, I know how much it's got a hold on me. It could be a pornography addiction. It could be a, an alcohol addiction. It could be a drug addiction. And it's just, it's just got you backed up in life. For others.
others of you, it could be your marriage right now. Your marriage is a mess, and you look at it, and you're like, man, how in the world can we put this broken mess back together? Like, man, my wife right now, she is a Goliath, and I'm terrified of her. Some of y'all are like, that's, that's me, Pastor TJ. That's, like, I don't want to identify myself, but. <laughs> yeah, please don't. We, we. Some of you, as I'm talking, like, you can't identify your Goliath because your Goliath has become part of your identity. Like, it's just so big and so monstrous that you've just adopted it. Like, you've just put it on your back and said, I'm going to walk with this for the rest of my life. It, and, it, and it impacts everything you say, do in your entire life. And see, what, what's been happening is that for 40 days at, up to this point, for 40 days, the Israelite army has walked up to this battlefield. They've gotten battle formation. They've got their swords. They've got their spears. They've got their shields. And they've walked out, and they've gotten, and they've lined up, and they've started beating their shields, and they started doing their chants. Hoo, hoo, you know, trying to intimidate the enemy because they're, they're, they look ready for battle. They sound ready for battle. But all of a sudden, Goliath comes out. And he starts hooping and hollering and calling them out. And while they look ready for battle and they sound ready for battle, they never intend to fight. And for some of you, that rings true for you here today. You come to church, you, you look like you're ready for battle, you're dressed up. In fact, you sound ready for battle. I'm going to see a victory. Right? You'll sing the song. Oh, it's getting real here today. You'll sing the song, but you want nothing to do with the battle. See, you can't have a victory without a battle. And some of you, just like these guys, they had no intention of fighting. Church, today has got to stop. Today has got to be the day that we say enough is enough. I'm tired of this giant intimidating my life and keeping me from my God purpose in life. And today is going to be the day that I'm going to do something different than I did yesterday. Because yesterday didn't work and God's got a victory for me. Because I'm in a fixed fight and it's time for me to start fighting like I know that I'm going to see the victory. And so here's where David enters the story. David's brothers are at the battlefield. David is tending sheep. His dad says, hey, go deliver some cheese and bread. And so David shows up on the battlefield at this moment. And we're going to learn some battle strategies that I believe that we can take into the ring to fight for our victory here today that's already been given to us through the cross of Jesus Christ. And this is what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 23. It says, as he was talking with them, meaning David with his brothers, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. So 40 days... He's come out. This is the 41st day. Look at what it says. It says, then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. And what does the army of Israel do? They scatter. They scatter. They, they're like cockroaches when light comes on. They're like, they're out. But David heard. So how do we fight our giants? Number one, if you're taking notes today, we have got to hear the loss. You have to hear the lies. It says David heard the taunts 
from Goliath. You have to hear the lies so you can remember and recognize exactly what they are. They are lies. But the only way you're going to know lies is if you actually know truth. It's one of the reasons why we tell you all the time, man, get in God's word. Read that devotional. Get in God's word. Why? Because if you know the truth, the truth will actually bring freedom to your life. But if you don't know truth, you'll buy into any lie that's out there. And so we've got to know the truth of God's word. We've got to know what it says so that when we hear the lies, we can go, oh, 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 that right there, that's a lie, sir. I don't take that. I don't believe that. Oh, ma'am, that's a lie. Don't, don't believe that because God says something differently about your situation. And so David hears the lies, and he gets fired up. He's like, what, what? He's like, that's a lie. Verse 26, he says, who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? In other words, he's like, man, who is this God that doesn't have a relationship with God that he's going to come and talk junk against the God that I know that saves and, and eradicates all this stuff from our lives? He's about to take you out, Joker. We should be fired up about this because we know the truth. But for many of us, we've heard the lies for so long that those lies have become our truth. And they become our truth so much that we'll defend them now. Like, they become a part of our lives and we just live with them. And our lies have become our life. And what God is wanting to do here today is that he's wanting to take us out of this place where these lies paralyze us and begin to break us free from those lies. So my question for you today is, what are the lies that you're believing? What are the lies that you are believing in life? Maybe for you, you're believing like, I can never have a healthy marriage. Like, it's, it's impo- everywhere I look, everybody has an unhealthy marriage. The only problem with that is that is a lie because God is the one who established marriage. In fact, God even refers to our relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ, as we are the bride of Christ. It's a marriage relationship. That's the truth of it. Some of you have, have been listening to lies like, I can never break free from my addiction. Like, my strongholds are just going to be a part of my life. It's going to just be who I am. The only problem with that is, is the Bible tells me I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can break that addiction right now in the name of Jesus. That's the truth of it. Some of y'all have bought into the lies that you're a loser, you're pathetic, that you're good for nothing, you're never going to amount to anything. The problem with that is that's a lie, 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 lie. The truth is, is that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. The truth is that, that Jesus died on the cross to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. The truth is, is that when God looks down at you, he doesn't see your righteousness or your sin. He actually sees you through the righteousness of Christ that he paid for you on the cross. The truth is that you are a child of God, the all-powerful, all-loving creator of the universe who gives you rights and as a son or a daughter of the king. And some of us, we need to start recognizing the truth that is out there instead of believing the lies. you got to hear the lies so you can recognize that they're lies and know the truth. And David's here. He's ticked. He's buzzed. Man, and, and everybody sees that David's upset. This is what it says in verse 31. It says, then David's question was reported to King Saul. And the call, call, man, I can't talk. <laughs> Sorry, CrossFit is not working right now. I'm like really winded. <laughs> It's a failure for preaching. It's good for running, failure for preaching. (laughs) The king sent for him, and this is what David said, don't worry about the Philistine. He says, I'll fight him. He said, listen, I I recognize that y'all are believing the lies, but I know who my God is. 
And I trust my God. And I'm a man of action. And here's what I know. The moment that you begin to take action, you need to know battle strategy number two. You can't listen to the haters. You can't listen to the haters. Because as, as soon as David goes, hey, King Saul, man, I got this. I'm your man. I know everybody else is a chicken. They're running for their life. I'm like, I'll go do battle. This is what Saul says to him in verse 33. Don't be ridiculous. You want to know what's going to happen to you the moment you begin to step out for God? People are going to walk up to you and go, don't be ridiculous. Don't be ridiculous. Don't you know that you failed in life before? There's no way you could ever have a second chance. Don't you know that you don't have the education that's necessary for you to have that breakthrough in your life? Don't you know that you don't have the resources to start that business? Don't you know that you've been single for a long time and you're going to be single for the rest of your life? And, and what they're going to do is the haters are going to start to hate, right? Look at what else Saul says. He says, listen, there's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy and he's been a man of war since his youth. And some of you, as we're talking here today, some of you, all you're doing is playing the voices in your head. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. Nobody likes you. And every time you start listening to those voices and the voices that, that have been projected on you for so long, you know what it does? It begins to diminish your confidence in your God. So what we're going to take things from great theologians like Taylor Swift. Haters going to hate, 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 right? What do you have to do? Shake it off. Shake it off. You guys are terrible. I know you all know the song. You're just like, I don't want anybody to know I know Taylor Swift. <laughs> Here's what I know. So many times we get caught up in what people say rather than what God says. We start to believe people's voice to be the voice of God. But the reality is, is the voice of God, when he tells you things, to every other person, it's going to sound crazy. Like, read the Bible. When God calls you to things, it never makes sense. We talked about Peter. Come walk on the water. That doesn't make any sense. Hey, David, you're like a 16-year-old boy. Go fight a nine-foot giant whose armor weighs more than you. That doesn't make any sense. And so what happens is haters are going to hate. And what they start to do is they start to project their fears and their inadequacy with God onto you. So what does what Saul do? He's like, David, you're not going to need to take my armor. You're going to need to take my spear. You're going to need to fight how I would fight, but I'm not even willing to go fight. But this is what you should do because I don't feel like I have the power to do it. And so what they do is they start projecting all that on you. And David looks at him and goes, ah, no, 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 no. And this is what he basically says, and I'll put it in your notes like this. You have to find ways to remember God's past faithfulness in your present situations. You have to remember when, when God did something in your life in those moments when people are hating on you and go, no, 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 no. I know what you're saying right there, and I know that that's what you think, but I know what my God already did. I know what God has already done in my life, so you can hate all that you want, but I know who my God is. And that's exactly what David does in verse 34. He says, but David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If an animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw, which is awesome. I imagine that David, you remember when you were a kid and your mom would come and grab your cheek and twist it? Anybody remember that? Like, you will do anything in that moment. I think that's what he did to the lion and the bear. I don't know. Uh, 
And, and then he clubs it to death, like real, real loving. He says, I've done this both to lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine. For he has defied the armies of the living God. Check this out. He says, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. He goes, you see, God did it then, and God's going to do it now. And when we're in moments where people are saying things against what God has said, we need to go, no, 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 no. I remember when God did, then I know what God is going to do right now. It got me thinking about um, the first year of our church, we were about maybe 80 people. Maybe I'm even being generous with 80 people. Um, And uh, I I was driving through Collier City, which we've been working in since uh, before we even started the church. And and I was thinking to myself, man, how are we, we going to help this next generation not end up in the same predicament they're in right now? Like, what is their hope? Besides Jesus, I mean, Jesus is the hope. But, like, practically, how do, how do we help them in life? And, and I remember I had this thought. I was like, you know what? We need to make sure that, like, every ed- elementary and middle school student has everything that they need when they go to school so that they have confidence in school. Because if they can get an education, they can get out. They don't have to live this way. They don't have to live in poverty. They don't have to live with this mentality. They don't have to continue this way. And, and I thought to myself, we're a church of like 80 people. How are we going to do that? And, uh, and, and I, I just felt like God was like, hey, uh, you're, you're, you need to raise 1,000 backpacks and school supplies. And so I was like, okay. And I came up with this idea. I said, um, I called up a guy in our church and I said, hey, can you get me like a 50-foot cherry picker? And he's like, yeah, I can probably accomplish that. I was like, can you get me some banners too? He's like, yeah, I can probably do that. And uh, he's like, what do you want to do? I was like, I, I want to go up in a cherry picker and I'm going to live there until we raise 1,000 backpacks and school supplies for the kids in Collier City. He's like, that sounds like a good idea. Do you think you should get a permit for that? I'm like, do you think I need one? He's like, you might want to check with the city. I went to the city. They said they're, they're, you, you're not allowed to do that. So I pulled a permit for something else, and uh, I just went out and did it. Uh, I went to the corner of, of, of uh, I'm, confession, good for the soul, bad for the reputation. I went out to the corner of Hillsborough and, and Lyons, uh, where the 7-Eleven is, and, and I went up in this cherry picker. Uh, it was the middle of summer. Not a good time to pick to do that. And uh, I went up, and this, I had this sign. It was when social media was just kind of first starting. And uh, I went up there, and the first day we raised three backpacks. <laughs> Killing it. And uh, that night, there was a torrential downpour and thunderstorm. Needless to say, I'm in a 50-foot cherry picker, and I've made the commitment that I'm not coming down. I'm not coming down for bathroom breaks. I'm not coming down for, like, everything was being done up there. We'll just put it that way. And, uh, and, and, and I was going to stay up there until we raised a, a, a thousand backpacks. And that night, I almost became crispy TJ. It was awesome. Uh, the next day uh, went about as well as the first day. We raised about 10 more backpacks. We were up to like 13. Latisha, you remember this? You were, you were around at that time. Uh, and and, and it, like we were killing it. And then uh, <laughs> the, the third day came around. And that day, like every news media source in the entire country had picked up this story. Like literally CNN is circling me in a helicopter. <laughs> I like waving at them. Uh, and, and over like the next 24 hours, we didn't raise 1,000 backpacks. We raised over 2,000 backpacks and school supplies for inner city kids. And um, why? 
Everybody told me I was an idiot and stupid and you can't do that. In fact, legally, you're not even allowed to do that. But God said, like, you need to go get some school supplies and backpacks for those kids. And you know what I did? I didn't trust any of those jokers that were out there telling me no. I started trusting my God who told me yes. And some of us, we need to stop listening to our haters and start listening to our God. It goes on in the next part of the story. David is down in the valley. He's getting ready to fight Goliath. He, Goliath is actually looking at him in the valley in verse 43. And is, he says this. He goes, am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? The reason he said a stick is because he's got a slingshot in his hand. Not the most proficient weapon. And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give the flesh, your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. Goliath yelled. Goliath basically looked at David and goes, hey, guys, is this a joke? You're sending a boy to fight a man's battle. What's up with this? Like the giant was not impressed at all with David. And so many times what happens is we walk into battle and we see that giant and we get overwhelmed. But David knew something that we all need to recognize. Listen, you can't focus on how big your giant is. You have to focus on your God, number three. Don't focus on the giant. Focus on your God. And this has been the theme of this series over and over and over again. Listen, don't look at how big your problem is. Look at how big your God is. Look at how big your God is because if you look at the giant... The giant has overarching odds. He's big. He's got armor. He's got weapons. He's got it all going on. Then you look at the contrast of that. You got David. He's maybe 120 pounds, soaking wet. He's 16 years old. He's got a sling and five stones. You start doing the comparison game, which is how we evaluate things. Come on now, isn't it true? Like, let me, let me, let, let me look at this logically. It's what we all say. And if you were to walk up on this fight, who are you betting on? We're all betting on Goliath. Don't even lie and say, oh, I got David. You're full of it. Right? Let's be honest. Like you look at the odds and you go, like, he's got a better reach. He's battled lots of people. Like Goliath is 57 and 0. David, he's never even fought. Like this this is a match made for David's loss. But the problem is, is that's how so many of us look at life. Because we misplace our focus. We're focused on our obstacle. We're focused on our fear. We're focused on our giant in life. And honestly, when you look at it like that, it is a giant. You're right. Without God, it's going to be impossible. But what we forget is we have God. We've got God on our side. And David understood what mattered. This is what he said in verse 45. David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And this is my favorite part right here because this is the part that I like, that you need to like, that you need to circle in your Bible, you need to take home and remember this. Today the Lord will conquer you. See, David knew that it wasn't his job to conquer Goliath. His job was to show up to battle. He says, today the Lord will conquer you. And then he goes, and I'm going to kill you. And I'm going to cut off your head. And I'll give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Why? Because David understood that he can't focus on the giant. He's got to focus on his God. We learned this over the past 
I don't know, two and a half years as a church. Uh, we bought this land that we're on right here today in 2016. Uh, I, no, maybe 2017. I don't know. It's 2016, 2017. One of those years. 16, I don't know. Uh, and, and, and I remember at the time we had an $800,000 budget as a church. And we, we designed this, this first phase of our facility. And we went to uh, a bank and we said, hey, will you loan us this money? They said, hey, we'll loan you that money if, if you come up with $1.2 million. And I thought to myself, we have an $800,000 budget and you want us to come up with $1.2 million. Last time I checked by Dave Ramsey, that is not probably going to happen. <laughs> Dave Ramsey said, that's, that's a no-go. Financial peace, you're not going to have much peace right there. It would have been really easy for us just to back off and go, oh, someday. Someday. But I'm just going to tell you, you're here. We're, we're not a church that focuses on our problems. We're a church that focuses on our God. And if God has called me to it, yeah. he's going to get me through it. And if it's God's will, it's God's bill. And so, you know what we did? Is we said, hey, man, we're, we're going to move forward. <laughs> and luckily, I have some really, really smart business guys around me that said, you're crazy, but we have faith. Like, this doesn't make any sense, but we don't live by what makes sense. We live by faith. And we started moving forward, and over the next 16 months, our small little church raised over $1.5 million to build this facility that you're sitting in today so that you could experience, know, and follow Jesus. And so many times we're looking at our situation based on our logic when we need to be looking at our situation based on the size of our God. Listen, I know your giant's big, but have you told your giant how big your God is lately? Have you told your fear how great your king is? That he defeated death in the grave already? He'll take care of that too. Some of us have to stop focusing on our problems and start focusing on our God. And then number four, your little is more than enough. With God. It said in verse 48, as Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him, reaching into a shepherd's bag and taking out a stone. And I love this because God will take whatever you got. So many times we're waiting for God, we're going, God, when I have everything that I need, I'll take my step. And God's going, No, no, no. Take whatever you got in your hand and I'll make that more than enough. It says, he hurled it with his sling and it hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone stank, sank in. And Goliath stumbled and fell down on the ground. Why? Because you're in a fixed fight. And you serve a God. When you give him what little you have, he takes and does immeasurably more than all you could ask or imagine. See, everybody in that arena, everybody that was watching on the sidelines looked at the fight and they said, man, David is bringing a sling to a knife fight. He's going to lose that fight every time. But what they failed to realize is that you're little in the hands of a God. They say that science has actually proven this, that when David took that rock and that sling and he slung it, it was actually at the speed of a 44 gun going into Goliath's head. 
So the reality is, is when you put your little in God's hand, instead of you walking in with a sling to a knife fight, you're actually going to a knife fight with a gun. Who's going to win that battle? You every time. Because your little is more than enough with God. And it's time for some of us to to take some steps because we've been been thinking what we have is insufficient. And God is going, no, 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 just trust me with what you have. Trust me with your talent. Trust me with your gifts. Trust me with your abilities. Trust me with your your resources. Trust me in every area and see what I can do. It's time for you to stop staying outside of the ring. It's time for you to get in and begin the battle. And yes, you're going to get hit. But here is my promise to you. Isaiah 41 verse 13. For I am the Lord your God. Your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. And I'm here to tell you today, God plus you will overcome anything in this life. It's a guarantee. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? God, we come before you and we thank you that you're a God that is with us. That you're a God that will never leave us or forsake us, God. And for so many of us, we've been standing outside of the battle. We've been standing outside of the ring. And God, I believe that today you're challenging us to step in. To step into the fight. To step into the fight against fear. To step into the fight against uh, the, the, the addictions that we've been dealing with. Our marriage problems. Our resource problems. God, I don't know what the battle is that is before each and every person in here. But I know that every single one of us is facing a battle. God, and we'll step into it and we'll trust you, God. You will do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. And today, for some of us, it's time for us to take a step. It's time for us to take a step of faith and and trust that you'll be with us. Trust that you'll help us. Trust that you'll, you'll defeat the enemy because this is a fixed fight when you're on our side. But God, here's what I know. There's some people in this room that they've never made a decision to bring you on their side. They've never made Jesus their Lord and Savior of their life. And the greatest decision that they could ever make is to invite, is the invitation to have a personal relationship with you. And the reason we can have that is because you loved us so much that you sent your one and only son to die on the cross so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. And maybe you're out there today and you've never made that decision. You never made that choice to give your life to Jesus and and follow him and, and allow him to fight your battles ahead of you with every head bowed and every eye closed maybe today is the day you need to make that decision if that's you on the count of three if you just slip your hand up we'd love to pray with you one two three yes yes hands going up all over the place jessica would you lead them in you guys would go ahead and